episode 90 of the Scum and Villainy podcast, a weekly Star Wars podcast where we break down the latest and greatest in Star Wars news. I am your host, Garrett McDowell, and in my co-pilot seat, it's Noah George. How you doing, buddy? 90. 90. 90. 90. We're like, we're in our, like, our... We're our, we're in our sundowners years. That's right. We're fu- <laughs> we're we're winding down, and you know what that means. We're getting closer and closer to episode one hundred, and I and I'm fearful that like it's just going to be like a normal episode because like we've got Man- we've got Mando coming, we've got Bad Batch, so <sighs> we don't have like time to do like a fully dedicated episode unless we want to like you record like a special one and just upload that you know in the middle of the week or something and you worry about Mando later. Cause I would like to do well, something, but yeah, you know, it's so would I, but I'm thinking of that and I'm like, okay, so the way that I'm thinking of it, 10 weeks from now, yeah, it would be at least for bad batch. That'd be episode 16, which as you may know is the finale. So there will be two episodes of bad batch. Also an episode of the Mandalorian. That is also it's our 100th episode. So, yeah. uh, what I'm saying is it will be like any other regular episode where we have way too much to talk about and not enough time to do it. Exactly. That always happens. Exactly. Hopefully we'll be able to uh, keep this episode a little bit brief. Uh, fingers crossed for sure, because you're right now we do have lots of stuff to discuss this week. Um, we've got an update, a sad little update for Jedi survival, uh, Jedi survivor, excuse me. Uh, but we're going to be uh, hopeful in the future of that game. Um, we've also got some unfortunate news regarding the Lando series, at least, we think we might have some unfortunate news and we've also got a new poster for the season three uh, premiere of the mandalorian and then uh we're going to be continuing our conversation on the bad batch uh, with the newest episode titled tribe so if you want to jump ahead to any of those topics you can do so by going to the uh time codes in the description that can uh, take you wherever your heart desires but noah my heart desires to talk about jedi survivor a game that's coming very very soon uh uh, but actually, that we're going to have to wait a little bit longer because, unfortunately, Noah, um, Respawn's highly anticipated sequel to Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order is now launching on April 28th, w- meaning that the game has been delayed six weeks from when it in- uh, initially was kind of slated to come out. Um, EA and Respawn did actually tweet out like a, a statement regarding the, the reasons why this game was delayed. Why are the reasons that this game is now coming out six? weeks later and you know it's 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 the exact reason that you would think it is uh they're running really hard uh, they're working really hard in the game and they're wanting it to be the best version that it can possibly be um so i'll read some of the statement here it says for the last three years the jedi team here at respawn has poured its collective heart and soul into star wars jedi survivor and we are proud to say the next chapter in the tale of cal kestis is content complete we are now focused entirely on the final stage bug fixes to enhance performance stability polish and most importantly the player experience Jedi Survivor is a direct response to the feedback from our community, delivering expansive destinations to explore, evolved combat and traversal, and of course, the continuation of Cal and Beatty's story. Making this game has truly made us a better team, and we have pushed ourselves at every level to make this the Star Wars sequel our fans expect from Respawn and Lucasfilm Games. In order for the team to hit that Respawn quality bar, provide the team the time they need, and achieve the level of polish our fans deserve. We have added six crucial weeks to our release schedule. Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Wow. Just Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Wow. I <clears throat> truly, I'm choking on that word. Star Wars <laughs> Jedi Survivor 
will now launch globally on April 28th. Thanks to EA and Respawn for giving us the time to deliver the best experience for our players and to all of you for understanding. May the Force be with you. Uh, Stig and the Star Wars team signed. Uh, Stig being, of course, Stigus Musen, the uh, director of this game. So Noah, you and I are very much so looking forward to this game, are hotly anticipating it like so many Star Wars fans. Um, how does it feel knowing that we have to wait, an, uh, wait another six weeks for this game to come out? Well, I mean, we just talked about this not too long ago. Um, it frees up March a little bit. I'll say that much. That's that's the first thing yeah. that I think of <laughs> is that my March is now a little bit less jam packed. Exactly. Uh, and I can I can continue to enjoy the Bad Batch and Mandalorian season three without having to worry about pouring you know, 50 plus hours into a video game sure. uh, because those hours I do not have. <laughs> um, so first of all, I'm, I'm not like not terribly disheartened by this news. Um, also glad that there's a good enough reason to be hearing this news. Totally. I think that that's something that is pretty, I would say common nowadays um, is these games sort of aiming for something and then needing to, to take a step back and, and polish things up a little bit. We run into that a lot. Uh, and that's just sort of the way that things are with, with newer consoles and, and the, uh, the quality that they can achieve, yeah. uh, and that a team can provide, but that's still, I mean, we're still in the age of, of, you know, advancement in video games. So I, I'm totally not surprised that it's like, okay, great. We want to, we want to give this the potential that we have in our heads, but we need to make sure that it all functions properly that totally makes sense and if you had told me that the skywalker saga the lego star wars skywalker saga needed to be delayed another six weeks then yeah i probably would have believed you um you know if we had if we had not if we had gotten it when we did and then learned like hey they were thinking about delaying it by six weeks to finish everything up then i would have said yeah you'd probably Probably should have. Um, so <laughs> yeah. we've seen sort of the, you know, both sides of this. I br We brought up Cyberpunk 2077 last time. Uh, we talked about this and kind of the issues there and, mm -hmm. you know, the the playability or lack thereof of something that, that gets rushed onto the streets mm -hmm. um, without that time to polish. But I will say this, that like I said, I'm glad that, that we have a little bit of time granted six weeks is not very long. Um, yeah. but we have a little bit of time to get, you know, to get a little bit more prepared for this. I think that it fits very nicely in our timeline, I guess, of what we have, uh, coming, coming our way. Um, so that's also nice. Yeah. Um, and, uh, when, when this news came out, uh, and I, and you and I had shared it with each other, mm -hmm. I, was reading through a lot of the responses uh, to this tweet, this mm -hmm. statement. Um, and I am surprised to say that I would say probably 80 to 90% of people in response were saying like, great, we'd rather have something that you feel confident in than something that is rushed because of a, a, sure. an arbitrary date on the calendar. Yeah. You know, um, so that's really good to see. The other 10%, 10, 20%, you know, it's fun to laugh at, yeah. but that's, you know, we don't have to get into it. It's sure. just, you know, unless you want to get into it, I'll crack some skulls. I don't care. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is, this is news that doesn't necessarily, um, discourage me at all. Um, the first game had its issues and every game is going to have issues. It's just the way that it is. No, 
there's no game that's bug free or, or glitch free. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, but with attention to detail, maybe those things can be, uh, can be remedied a little bit, which is just nice to know that that's an active part of their, their planning process. So yeah, I'm not, not too upset. I'm not too upset. I'm glad that, uh, I'm mostly glad that I can save uh, that I have that time to save up a little bit more for, <laughs> for potentially, you know, buying a console to play this game a hundred percent at the very least. Yeah. I think that was my biggest reaction is like, Oh, thank God that's six more weeks I can save for a PlayStation five. <laughs> Cause I'm absolutely, I've, I've committed that this is something that it's not like, will I, it's like, no, I'm going to do it. Cause it's just, we've talked about it before. It's time to pull the plug and time to really uh, get things moving on the, you know, the closing of shared narratives as uh, uh, Werner Herzog would say and kind of moving on to this next generation of consoles and what better way to usher that in than like a new great Star Wars game so that's six more weeks I get to save money which is very much so needed I think I also have another reaction to this and that's we get to see more of this at Star Wars Celebration. Like, that's not something that we really were able to do, you know, before, considering that this, you know, now is going to be a few weeks after uh, Star Wars Celebration Europe. Hopefully they're going to capitalize on that. Hopefully that means we're going to either get, you know, some gameplay footage, probably interviews with the cast and everything. And then also like maybe there might be something like they had at Star Wars Hunters this year to where it's like, yeah, there's a little thing and you can play like a demo or something like that's great. Star Wars fans are obviously very excited for this game. So what better place to, you know, really allow fans to uh, admire and, and, and kind of gawk out all of the hard work that Respawn is putting into this game. But on that same track, you know, you know, kind of line of thinking video games are an insane amount of hard work and I don't want to add on to the load that respawn and it's uh, very talented employees have of like, nope, Nope, it's got to be now. Like, I, I can wait six weeks. It's going to be completely fine. I'm very excited for this game. And if that six weeks means that the game is only going to be better, they're not making the game worse. I can promise you that. So they're going to only be working to improve the experience that, that you know, players are going to be having with this. And it also, I think it was interesting that they know it's like, it's not content. It's not gameplay. And, oh, you know, we're still trying to, you know, tweak uh, what Cal's story is going to be here. It's like, no, it's the crunchy, boring stuff like glitches and bugs and all those annoying things that when you play, you're like, man, really wish I could play this great game, but I can't because of, you know, whatever silly reason. So I'm very excited for this game. Respawn and EA take as much time as you need. I, I, I think most Star Wars fans are, are pretty understanding, which you're right to mention. Like that was a really nice kind of response is, yeah, you've got a, a you know, couple of donuts here and there who are like get whenever like the lame and the most like a overwhelming amount of people were like totally take as much time as you need you know what i'm saying like that's that's really refreshing to actually see star wars fans kind of like level-headed about this is because it's just like no don't rush take you know take all the time uh, yeah, polish uh, it up make it great honestly you know? Of all of the of all of the like different factions of Star Wars fans, mm-hmm. uh, I'm the most surprised that the gaming faction is the one oh, that's yeah. like, oh yeah, it's like people <laughs> being like, that's you know what, that's really understandable. It's reality. And, it's life. And, you know, <laughs> and we'll be patient. We're here. We're here whenever you're ready. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So yeah, you know. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's just. I I just think that that's that's funny, and I do like. 
I think that this would have been worse news if it was like, sorry, it's going to be October, you know, or something like that. Because that very, very easily could have happened. Um, But six weeks is not a long time to wait. People are going to be, people are going to be gobbling up Mandalorian for that entire time. And before you know it, Survivor's going to be on shelves just around the corner. So I'm so not worried about it. Um, But I would, I would urge listeners uh, if, if you, if you do get a kick out of it, there are just like a few, like you said, there are a few donuts out there yeah. and I just fill my days sometimes <laughs> with like reading through these tweets and just laughing. You're and like, a, a better man than I, I could absolutely never. <laughs> well, there's, that's the thing is like some of them, I, I don't know. I could, I could make myself, I could make, raise my blood pressure in a minute. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of this, that's the thing is that most of this is drowned out by people saying like, I'm sure it'll be worth the wait. I can't wait for it to be, you know, better than you think it is right now. So glad you're confident on this. Like, you know, so yeah, I, I, I do think that, uh, I do think that this is headed in the right direction in terms of news. Uh, it's better news than we typically get about delays. Uh, yeah. I, I guess in general, you know? Yeah. I think it's also like, in kind of looking at some of these replies, it's not a topic I'm like super well informed at, but some people are saying that like, Hey, that's a good thing. Cause March actually has like lots of video games coming out this, uh, you know, in that time frame. So I'm curious to see if that would, you know, have a lot of uh, like, have a lot of competition that in kind of delaying it a little bit, you can have, you know, give it that time to breathe. I know the new, uh, Harry Potter game Hogwarts legacy is coming out, uh, in early April. So, uh, now that this maybe has a few more weeks to capitalize on that beyond just video games though like i'm glad that this isn't just crowding march to where it's just like all star wars all the time you know to where it's able to be you know give bad batch its day in the sun it's obviously going to be eclipsed by mandalorian i'm not surprised by that like bad batch is not like a premier star wars show to where like everyone around the world is like tuning in to see what happens with wrecker and the gang you know so uh i i I understand that that's uh, a reality of things but you know with uh, Star Wars celebration happening in early April and Mando and all that kind of stuff. I'm glad it's got a few weeks because it's like you're totally right. It's better to kind of let that meal really give, you know, really have a chance to enjoy it rather than just like gorging on the bread. You know, like I, I'm, I'm excited that people are going to have a chance to really give it its due, really enjoy this game to, to the, you know, to what it deserves, because I'm sure as the first one was, it's going to really be this experience to behold, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, we'll be looking forward to it. Uh, April 28th, I saw a lot of people saying that, uh, you know, why not just push it back to May 4th? Um, But that almost tells me that uh, we can expect maybe some maybe some even uh, even crazier news once once Star Wars Day comes back around. I mean, we'll just have to see. But I I guess I didn't realize that uh, or I guess I didn't remember that that Star Wars celebration was uh, was mid April, mid to late April. Um, it's actually early it's April, bit, like the it's like the first April? week of April. It's like April seventh to the I guess oh, wow. yeah, like just uh, April seventh to the tenth. So like pretty early on. Interesting. In April. Yeah. Interesting. Won't All be right. there. Won't be there. Neither of us will, unfortunately. Uh, not not, me. not making the trip across the pond this year. But uh, excited for everybody to to be there and maybe even get a chance to either get their hands on or experience uh, the the majesty that is sure to be a Star Wars Jedi survivor. So we'll definitely be uh, keeping our eye out for that. There's probably going to be some more gameplay footage something like that i wouldn't be surprised if star wars celebration had a big 
20 minute, you know, presentation of gameplay. So uh, I'm definitely really looking forward to that. Um, something that we're probably going to have to wait uh, on as well, Noah, is the Lando series. Uh, this is coming to us from Nathan Kamal uh, from Giant Giant Freaking Robot, which we'll get into like the credibility of that website in a bit. But uh, Nathan is reporting that an inside source is uh, saying that the Lando prequel series, which is set to star Donald Glover in the titular role, is no longer in active development. Um, we've talked about this in the past. Uh, Kathleen Kennedy did state at Star Wars Celebration uh, Anaheim that the series is on hold due to Donald Glover's busy schedule. And I quote, she says, uh, you need to ask Donald. He's the one that holds all the cards here, but there's no movement, says Kennedy. Um, we've also reported in the past that Disney executives have advised Kennedy to kind of like halt, you know, announcing of future Star Wars projects that aren't in like current you know we're shooting in two weeks kind of development rather than just like the 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 big idea sort of development of like we would like to do a lando series or in negotiations those kind of things um it seems like disney is kind of like let's pump the brakes until something is actually you know uh when there's smoke there's fire kind of situation so giant freaking robot is like a semi-credible news source uh they're not like bulletproof or anything with in regards to the consistency of the website but they are right you know uh not an insignificant amount of the time with that being said though we are going to kind of file this under the rumor folder for now and kind of the way that you and i like to handle rumors around here is more just talk about like less this isn't this show is not happening anymore uh breaking news but more if the show wasn't to happen kind of what's our reaction are we disappointed would we like to see this happen do we think it's going to happen uh what's kind of your overall reaction to this uh noah well <clears throat> i do think that uh I do think that this is one of those things where I fully believe that this is in that stage of Kathleen Kennedy saying like, let's, let's hold off for now because it's, it's very popular right now to, uh, and you know, especially coming off of the heels of, of some DC news, mm -hmm. uh, it's very popular right now to jump into the, okay, great. What's happening 10 years from now? Sure. What's our eight to 10 year plan? And we got a lot of news uh, with with like in regards to Star Wars when it came to what's going to be happening on Disney Plus. Um, so this is one of those things that like pulls from that. And sooner or later, I think that sooner or later we had to have some kind of update on this. Yeah. Uh, and I do think that the best thing to do is to say, listen, we've thought about it. We've talked about it. We'd like to do it. Um, but we can't really say anything for sure right now. Mm -hmm. And that's about it. And that's totally fine. That's, it really is fine. Um, this is not something that we can see as like, wait, they started filming or they were writing or they were, you know, doing this. And then like it got shot down for some reason. And now, or, or, you know, it, it changed hands so much that nobody really even knew what was going on. And now it has to be, now it has to be put down, you know, for good. Yeah. Like, no, that's, that's really not how that would happen if that were to be the case. That's not really where we're at right now. Mm -hmm. I do think that there is some credibility to knowing that Donald Glover is the one that's like that, that is sort of in, in control of how quickly this process moves. Um, I will say, yes, I agree with, I agree with your, uh, your um, interpretation of giant freaking robots yeah. uh, credibility. I will say 
that it sounds as though they have a at least a logical basis for saying like yeah. Donald Glover's a busy guy and he's like signed on to these projects he's doing stuff with Amazon Studios and that's just kind of a big deal so at the very very least if we're going to speculate anything mm-hmm. The the thing that we can confidently speculate is that dude's busy. Dude does you know, dude does not have time for everything. Sure. That again, that doesn't mean that this is not gonna happen. It's just saying, like, great, we'll see what happens when it gets to that point. So knowing that that's kind of in the you know, the area that we're in right now, it's funny thinking about it because I would have I think when when these announcements happened at D twenty three, um, I would have lumped Lando and Andor into the same category of anticipation uh, and been like, oh, okay, I guess we're doing those. Um, that's totally fine. We just want to, you know, split this character off and and do something for, you know, for whatever, for whatever reason. Um, I would have lumped these two together. And I would say that knowing, knowing how Andor went, we'll just put leave it at that, knowing how Andor went, um, it it gave me a little bit more confidence in a like solo passion project because I think that with Donald Glover attached to something like Lando, I could see this being a passion project. Um, and I would consider, I would consider Andor a passion project of Tony Gilroy and Diego Luna. Mm-hmm. Um, and what came out of it was great. And so knowing that that's kind of where Lando sits for me, I think that having that sort of be, not off the table, but at least maybe under like a cloche, you know, <laughs> covered up by the tablecloth for now. Yeah. Um, is totally fine because we've got we've got a lot of stuff to get through. And I think that the the news that's gonna be coming out, then we've talked about so many people that are like, this person's attached to a to writing a Star Wars thing, and this person's attached to to directing a Star Wars thing, and but we don't know what it is. There's so much, oh, it's all new and it's crazy and I, we just have to, we have to like wait for those, for those official kind of, okay, here's the direction where we're, that we're going. And I think until then, I think I'm all right. Just sort of, you know, just biding my time yeah and, and waiting for, uh, waiting for some kind of official announcement. Um, I think that dead in the water is, is maybe an over-exaggeration mm-hmm. because that to me says that the people that had interest in this project could not figure out a way forward. And from what Kathleen Kennedy has said, I don't think that that's necessarily true. I don't, I don't know if it'd be fair to say that. So I'm not like, I'm not super upset. I'm, you know, I'm still hopeful because it's a series that, that I would at least be curious about at the very least be curious about. Yeah. Um, and uh, I guess we'll just have to see if uh, if Mr. and Mrs. Smith from Donald Glover uh, is is going to be something where he's like, nope, sorry, guys, 100 percent of my time and attention is yeah. devoted to this. Uh, can't do Lando. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We will definitely see. And I think it's something that, you know, you're it's interesting point to bring up about Andor and this this idea of Cassian Andor, who is certainly no Lando like Lando has is somebody that's been with fans for a long time however I do think it's right to point out of like yes it's Lando but it's a dis- different interpretation a spinoff of a movie that wasn't like super beloved or anything and certainly didn't make a ton of money being solo a Star Wars story and it's just like a different version of that 
Andor obviously is spinoff of Rogue One, a show that or a movie that lots of people loved, but maybe weren't like that guy needs his own show, you know, so it's definitely comparable for sure. But I think it's you're right to point out that it's neither of those shows were something that when they were announced, I, I think it was like the Disney Investor Day, not D23, yeah. because yeah. it was um it was in 2020. So it was like obviously during the pandemic. And so it was just like a live stream thing. Um, and that's when they were like the Acolyte, a droid story, Obi-Wan and or it was just like, you know, like the I think of that bit from SpongeBob where Patrick's just getting like the snowballs thrown in his mouth. You know, <laughs> that was just us with content, you know, so I think. Out of all all of those shows, Lando is certainly one that we've just really been like hearing radio silence on. But I am thinking about like upcoming Star Wars shows that we're getting. You know, we've got Andor season two, like happening for sure. We've got the Acolyte probably going to come out next year. I doubt it's going to come out this year. Um, yeah. The Book of Boba Fett season two. Maybe, maybe, I don't know, you know, certainly more like Mando verse stuff like that's definitely going to be happening. But beyond Andor and the Acolyte, like we don't really know. Like even with animated stuff, like we don't know if the Bad Batch is getting three, four seasons. Uh, we don't know if Star Wars Visions is getting another season. We just don't really know. Uh, I know there's some rumors with Daisy Ridley and she talked to so-and-so and had lunch with so-and-so. I know those rumors are floating around this week, but until we have news, we'll talk about it, you know. But with this, it's just kind of like, it's a bummer. Like, I really do like Donald Glover. If the show isn't happening, that sucks. You know, it, it would be really cool to have this character be on the, you know, like kind of recapture this excitement that some people can have for this character. I don't know about you, but every time I go to a target, I always see like Lando figures on the, on the pegboard, you know, like yeah, Lando yeah. is kind of like a peg warmer sort of character. Not that to say that like, that's reflective of my opinion on Randa on Lando. I love Lando. Like I also really like Donald Glover's performance in my living room. I have like a piece of art from like the Regal did these really cool, like art deco posters. And I have a Lando one literally on the wall. So like, I really like this interpretation of this character and I really love this character too. a battlefront two staple of mine. Lando's the freaking best man, you know? So he's, he's pretty good. He's pretty good. In my hands, he's a little bit more than pretty good. Let me just tell you that much. <laughs> anyway, no, I'm very excited for the prospect of this series, but if it's not happening, I'm glad it's not happening for like scheduling reasons. You know, if it was like, Donald Glover is being a diva or there's lots of studio interference right. and he's not wanting to deal with that. So on either end, there's conflict. If it was something like that, you know, or uh, Justin Simeon, who is like the, the writer of the series, he did uh, Dear White People. And I think he's also doing like the uh, upcoming Haunted Mansion uh, movie. I think it's a movie. Um, yeah. So yeah. He, he's obviously in like like uh in, in good graces with disney he's got a new haunted mansion thing coming out so it seems like these tithes aren't severed you know donald glover is super busy he's only getting more famous he's only getting more busy i know atlanta is like kind of done now for, uh, from what i understand so yeah, yeah maybe it'll you know his schedule free up in the next few years maybe it won't i don't know either way i still want to see this story i still want to see this character brought back into star wars that could be a way that we could continue some of solo a star wars story and not out of the question that we could see alden ehrenreich as han again which is something that i would really like to see so you know it sucks it's not a confirmed like so until don glover is like yeah not happening guys sorry you know that sucks but you know the obi-wan uh, kenobi movie didn't happen for a while and that turned it into something else so maybe well this will be a movie or something like that who knows uh but still it's a bummer for sure
Yeah, we're gonna bring back the uh, the make solo two happen. <laughs> Uh, hashtag in parentheses, uh, but also Lando, if you have the time, <laughs> I was going to say, like, that's the thing is I feel like it comes around every so often. I just like, I'll go on Twitter and it's like trending, yeah. you know, topics for you solo too. I was like, yeah. it's, it's only been like a few months since this was like trending again. Like these people, they just won't quit. So uh, relentless, not as bad as like the Zack Snyder people, but you know, what stirs them up. Oof. It's like any time that Ron Howard or Alden Ehrenreich. And I think it literally happened like a week or two ago. Uh, I think it was Alden Ehrenreich cause he's in a, a new movie. Uh, they're like, Hey, did you like making star Wars? And he's like, yeah, I loved playing Han. I would love to do it again. And people are like, Oh, wait, let's let him do it. You know, where it's just kind of like, <laughs> Oh, this guy would love to have like be in a giant franchise and get another check. Not to say that he's just like completely money driven or whatever. And he doesn't like this character. I'm sure he does. But you're also acting someone. Hey, would you like to be employed again? He's like, yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> like, I'd really <laughs> I'd really love that. So, you know, the same goes with Daisy Ridley, too. Like, again, when there's news, it'll happen. But yeah, all that to say, I, I uh, a solo, too. I would be happy with that. I would love that. Do I think it's going to happen? Yep. Probably not. Probably not. Yeah, probably not. Do we think Lando is going to happen? Who the heck knows? Who the I heck certainly, knows? I don't have like a hunch, like a strong hunch either way. Yeah. Granted, like we said, Giant Freaking Robot is a website that uh, is so wildly on like one side or the other mm-hmm. on like on news. And it's so 50-50 yeah. that they like nail something on the head and they're like the first person to do it. Um, so, you know would take it with an iceberg sized grain of salt. Sure. Um, but also, you know, Hey, you heard it here first, uh, but you, you know, or second, you I heard guess. it here second. Yeah. A broken clock is, <laughs> is right at least twice a day. So I guess we'll see. Uh, will there be updates at Star Wars celebration? I don't think so, but, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see if there is news on this series, then we're obviously going to be talking about it. I think both of our fingers, I, I can feel confident in, in saying that they're both crossed. Uh, but I don't think I'm going to cross them too hard. No, I'm not, not going to be crossing them too hard. A show that we know will be coming soon and is in fact coming very soon soon from now uh, ahead of its March 1st release date we got a new poster for season three of the Mandalorian uh, the poster features Din Djarin wielding the dark saber atop the N1 starfighter with Grogu in the cockpit viewport I don't know if that's the official cross section you know, name for it <laughs> but uh, I do have the uh, the poster included uh, here in our show notes Noah so take a gander of that feast your eyes on this poster what do you think uh, I think it looks a lot better than the first poster that we got. Mm-hmm. Um, I granted, I thought that the first poster was pretty good. I thought it was, you know, it, we talked about it. It's very, uh, it's very singular. It's very, you know, there, there's a lot of dynamic movement happening. Um, I did see a breakdown on TikTok of that poster that was like, Hey, this poster is actually like bad and you don't know it, but I'm going to tell you how it's bad. Mm-hmm. So I watched it and I was like, okay, this guy makes some good points. And it was a a lot of it was about like the dynamic lighting and how like these different lighting pieces didn't match. Sure. There was, you know, there was light coming from different angles that weren't like Grogu was clearly like kind of pasted in Mm -hmm. and looked to like looked made look to like fit into the scene. Sure. But this poster for sure sort of fits that like, I guess the tone over like the overall tone of what we have going in, in terms of, 
the the coloring i do think that the lighting and the coloring is very very clean in this poster um it sort of matches the uh the scale of what we're going for Mm -hmm. in season three versus you know how they sort of toned everything in season two and in season one respectively they each kind of had their own um i guess their own like color scale, which was really interesting. Um, but this poster, very good. I only have one complaint, and that is that Grogu is sitting in that little pod, uh, which of course, of course he is. It's perfect for him. Uh, but I have to imagine that's like the most dangerous place for him to sit. Yeah. Uh, and so it scares the hell out of me. <laughs> that's my only complaint. You're just worried that it's going to be like, you, you go under an underpass and you see those videos of trucks that like just don't quite clear oh, it. God. And they just like buzz the tower, you know, like that's good. Yeah. Well, I'm just, I'm just imagining every, like every R2 unit that's ever sat in, that's a good in point. A, like in that cockpit part of a, of a, yeah. of a ship or whatever, they get their absolute dome blown yeah, off. Yeah. Even, like, even like, Luke, who's a, a great, you know, famously great pilot, R2, uh, the Battle of Yavin, he does not fare super well. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe it's like best car lined or something like that. Uh, I hope the shields go up that far. That's what I'm saying. Absolutely. I, I, yeah. We got to protect our little man for sure. Um, I think this poster to me is like, I, I think I saw the same thing that you were talking about with the, the Photoshop thing. I, I think I subscribe to the guy on YouTube even because I think he does some cool like fan art stuff. Um, for me, though, I think that's kind of like precisely the problem is like I like the composition of the poster. It's certainly better than a lot of like you the floating head posters. Uh, certainly yeah. Yeah. to me, this is giving like kind of trends you know you go to walmart and you see these posters and this would be like 5.99 kind of kind of vibes you know what i'm talking oh, about yeah. oh uh, yeah i know what you're talking about so like it's pretty cool um it's it's certainly pretty cool i i think for me something i love about the composition is like you've got the rocks in the background and the planet and it's you know the sun is like perfectly at sunlight in every era at a, a sunset and everything and it kind of reminds me of just like the way everything is positioned is like an old 50s like sci-fi pulp sort of novel of like you know super science or like captain future or something you know like that to where it's like yeah yeah and and star wars certainly has a history of that to like either directly paying tribute to some of those posters or like even some of the first star wars posters are like literally just that so i would be kind of more interested to see this with kind of a an old fashioned hand drawn sort of approach. This does look like very photoshoppy to me personally. Um, so I think something a little bit more hand drawn. The, sat- the saturation is absolutely cranked on this bad boy. Very saturated for sure. And every, you know, piece of Mando has like a, a highlight. And yeah, maybe I've just seen one YouTube video too many of like how some of these posters are made. Uh, but it's it's very well done. I think it's like it's photoshopped very well. There's lots of like uh, good lens flares and stuff like that. I love Grogu's expression looking at dad. I don't know oh if goodness, like yeah. is, the, is the ship in motion? Like is it parked and he's just on <laughs> top of it? Like, he, you know, is Grogu like dad put your seatbelt on, you know, um, I'm curious. <laughs> I, I don't think that we're actually going to see this, you know, particular scene in motion. I'm glad to see the dark saber on full display. I hope to see, uh, uh, Dinjar and continue to develop with his skills of that based on what we initially saw in the book of Boba Fett. So, um, I think that that's really cool. It's a very well done poster. I think with the stuff like this, I'm just kind of like, Oh man, if this was like a, a hand drawn, you know, intentionally made to look like one of those retro sort of like sci-fi pulp, novel covers or something like that i think i'd like it even more so i think it's good could have been great though 
Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think that we're in this territory of like, okay, what does, like, what feelings does Andor evoke? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and how are we going to do a poster to reflect that? And it's very like, you know, it's very like paper taped to a, a brick wall of, of, you know, yeah. some revolution meeting and Obi-Wan Kenobi, you know, what, what do we want to evoke with Obi-Wan Kenobi? It's very solitary. Yeah. It's very dim, you know, that sort of thing. We have those, those themes happening. And I know that like the Mandalorian is, is so expressive in its, its cultured, um, sort of like stereotypical, um, yeah, format super of, serial, of, super. Yeah, the episode where they they go into a cave and there's big ice spiders. You know, like totally. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So I could see that being so much more pulpy, but we're kind of. I feel like a poster like this and the last one is just gearing up to be like. There's rockets and gunfire and, and everything. Explosions and up fire and, and smoke. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So it feels I, I think that you're right that it's like it could have been could have been better. Um, you know, not bad by any means, but definitely could have been better because, you know, I don't want to feel like I'm going into this just being your generic action-y Star Wars thing. Yeah, um, it easily could be I like... that it's much more than know, that. Din Djarin's helmet with like Bo-Katan on the side and you've got, you know, Quill and... Or not Quill, rest in peace. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> Grief Karga and, you know, like Grogu and uh, you, you, know, you know the types of posters right, that I'm talking right. about. The comic relief sidekick, the sassy droid, you know, BD-1 hopefully in there somewhere. Uh, I think Andor did that idea very well. Like that, the kind of floating head poster, I think is actually like a rare occurrence when it's done very well, like that saturated yellow and orange poster. I think that that looks great, but yeah, to me, it's like, you're right. This totally captures that vibe. I think it's just like, I know what you're going for. Lean into it a little bit more. You know, I know you're going for that, sci-fi fantasy here's the guy with the sword and he's on a spaceship and there's an alien behind him and the moon and you know planets and all this kind of stuff so i'm just like go into that a little bit more a little bit more but uh, i'm still very yeah. excited for the season three it's coming uh, quicker than it's not no it's gonna be right around the corner before we know it i don't know about you i've really enjoyed uh re-watching it i'm now through seasons one and two gonna be hopping into the uh, book of boba fett and watching that with my girlfriend soon and uh, that's a a new one for her so i know she's uh, she's like full Grogu stand now. Like every time he's oh, on screen, yeah, she's like, it's so cute. And I'm like, yeah, see why he captured the, the hearts of <laughs> everyone across the nation. I didn't know that. I, that's been kind of fun. Like talking to her about that of like, oh my God, when Boba Fett came on screen in season two, uh, episode one, I'm like, oh, you should have been there. Like people were losing, <laughs> losing their minds. So it's kind of been fun to like, because I'll be honest, haven't really watched the show a whole lot, like repeat viewings for me. Um, so like having a chance to rewatch it and see what things kind of are working more for me now than they, you know, initially kind of were. Um, it's it's cool to kind of go through it and, you know, pick up on things of like, ooh, that's kind of foreshadowing that. So that's been a lot of fun. So I'm really excited for season three. Yeah, I mean, that, I'm I'm growing, you know, a little bit more excited every day. And what's really helped is like people online talking about it. Yeah. Um, because a lot of the voices sort of in between seasons are like, oh, this other Star Wars thing didn't do this. Yeah. And, you know, and so that's, uh, that, that always tires me out. But like hearing some, some actual people talking about like, can you believe this? We're up like a month away. For sure. And, you know, this is gonna, this could very well like change the entire 
like direction of what this like series is trying to do. And it's very important. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm beginning to feel that I, I will say I can't wait to sit on the couch and, uh, watch, uh, watch the, uh, the premiere of the Mandalorian and every episode afterwards with not only my daughter, AKA, uh, my cat Benny, uh, but also my son, my little Grogu, uh, that I have because yeah. he's just been sitting in his spot. He has his spot like on my desk of things. Um, yeah. But like, I remember like every episode of the Mandalorian, I'd be like, all right, let's go watch your show. <laughs> like, and I would like it's sit you, with him in you. my lap. Yeah. I, I was like, I would do that. I would like, I would be like, look, there you are. There you are. You know, <laughs> but like Rachel's looking I, at you like, what the fuck is going on with this guy? I know. <laughs> <laughs> so that's like, that's something that I've missed is like, getting excited yeah. for, for the little things like that. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's gonna also, be, it's it, going to be big and it's, it's so great. And, uh, the star Wars YouTube channel actually posted something today of like, it was that. like a little, yes. like a hype reel for the Mandalorian. It was really like hyping it up of like, it wasn't even about here's what this new season is. It was just like, isn't it crazy how much people like this thing? You know, it's just like a little self aggrandizing. Sure. If you want to be cynical about it. But for me, I watched it and I was just kind of like, it showed clips of Star Wars Celebration Chicago and Star Wars Celebration Anaheim and just seeing everyone's excitement. It also had some clips of like fan reaction videos where like Luke showed up and just fun bits like that. And I think that was kind of the thing of I'm excited for this to be a communal thing, you know, like yeah, and, and, yeah. and or a lot of people liked, but it was certainly in its niche to where I still don't know. I guess time will tell. I'm excited to watch that with my girlfriend, too. But I don't know if people who don't live and breathe star Wars would like that show. Um, at least to the degree that we did where we were like, this is yeah, amazing. Yeah. Like some, literally some of the best star Wars to star war. And I'm just curious if some other people, I mean, it's getting lots of awards and lots of people seem to be very, you know, uh, uh, the show is, has lots of critical acclaim, uh, certainly. So I'm just curious to see of like how that plays, but Mando is so popular. Even people who are like, aren't diehard star Wars nerds still really like that show. So I'm curious, I'm just, I'm excited to see, you know, that just be back and have that kind of, you check Twitter the next day and everybody's excited or obviously people are going to be mad about certain things but still just like everyone is just like Mando's back you know and what, what are the baby yoda gifts that are trending that week you know so i'm excited to for that star wars community to come up again and just be like look the new thing and we're all excited about <laughs> it it's gonna be great it's gonna be great yeah that's that's something that i have missed uh for sure it takes the uh i think being back in it takes the individual cynicism yeah. out of it because it's easy to be in that when you're past it mm -hmm. um and so Having having that will be nice. Uh, granted, I will not. I, I I will not be. I will never be not cynical when I like open up YouTube the next day and like new rock stars has like whatever big spoiler that week right in their thumbnail. Yeah, and I'm like, you son of a bitch, get get that out of here. <laughs> yeah, uh, that that will always be the bane of my existence. That and Screen Crush. Uh, you guys can uh can chill out for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, I do not miss having to wake up at like 4 a.m. back in, you know, Eastern Standard Time and watching Ugh. that. Thankfully, you've got 2 a.m. So it's like a little bit easier. But here on the West Coast, it's like, nah, midnight, baby. 
midnight, uh, which I actually had a chance to, to, to stay up late last night and watch the new episode of the bad batch, uh, titled tribes. Um, this is the sixth, I believe episode of yeah, uh, the second yeah. season. Um, you and I have been talking about each and every single one of these episodes up to this point. Last week's episode wasn't our favorite, uh, but still nonetheless, we were excited for, uh, this week's episode. Uh, so let's go ahead and dive on to general thoughts, Noah, and then we can, uh, get into our spoiler filled thoughts. So what did you think of the bad batch tribe? Well, like I had said last week, there was a little bit more to expect for this week coming off of what is, uh, undoubtedly still a week later, uh, in my mind, a little bit of a stinker. Um, and so coming out of that, I was like, okay, are we gonna be, are we going to be on like on the up with this? Where are we going? What, you know, what should I expect? Is this going to lead into our, our mid season finale? Um, you know, where, where are we at with this? And I think that this episode does a good job of sort of bringing things back to the, I guess, to the, the thematic roots of what this season is going for. I will say that, uh, this season or this episode is kind of jam packed, um, with what it's trying to do, uh, in a very short amount of time. It felt not in a bad way, but like, it felt like we were really running through it. Like a lot really transpired in this episode. Um, so it kind of, you know, having that feeling of just like hitting the ground running, especially with the way this episode starts, um, but hitting the ground running and just continuing into, okay, this is, you know, what implications is going to have for our team, the, the batch? Um, what is this going to lead them into feeling, choosing, thinking about, um, that sort of thing. I think that this episode carries a lot of momentum, which is really nice because the last episode was a little bit, a little bit drowsy, um, Mm -hmm. for me. Um, so on that side of things, sort of the, the overall, like its place in the season, I think that it does uh, a good job of sort of recovering from that. Um, and I would say that that's probably almost intentional to have, last week's episode where it was and to have this week's episode where it was because you could flip these two episodes and the story wouldn't change. Yeah. Um, nothing about them is reliant on any kind of timeline, any kind of precedent or prerequisite or anything like that. Um, but knowing that we're sort of ramping up into, you know, this galaxy is so big and wide and the bad batch is there to help others. And where do we see that actually playing out? Are we going to see that, you know, that, that help turn into some kind of conflict or run into any issues? You know, what does that look like? So getting back to those roots of what's the batch's place in the galaxy right now? What is their perspective on the empire as it relates to the people that they meet along the way, I think is one of the more important things that like, if there, there's no, like all of these episodes, at least somewhat, uh, have to do with their response to the people that they meet. And I don't think that filler is ever, you know, is ever a bad word, um, to, you know, to, to use in place of like any other word, um, for this season to say like, no, well, this episode is kind of just a one-off or whatever, but still like the theme that we've been going with is like, yes, it begins and ends on its like, on its little tight kind of, you know, there's no, there's no outlying, 
uh, uh, consequences or whatever yeah. that are going to bleed over into the next episode or, or things that have bled in from the last episode, even, um, obviously besides the first two episodes, but, um, those, those stories, those, you know, one and done stories, um, in just 25, 30 short minutes say, you know, who did they meet this week? And what lesson did they learn this week? I think the the perspective on the galaxy as it pertains to who they have interacted with in that episode is super important because it's building a case for what could be the, you know, the meta like the the metaphorical and philosophical like climax of of what they end up, you know, coming into conflict with. So as much as I would say, I mean, that's a that's a really long-winded way to say that this episode was pretty good. Um, it's still just kind of a still just kind of a beginning end, and that's it. Um, but I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing in this case because we've got a lot to take away from it. So I'm 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 happy. I'm happy that we're out of a uh, we're out of Stinker City uh, population. No one, not anymore. We're done with it. <laughs> it's <laughs> that's my perspective. It's interesting. I I do like. Disagree in a way. I I I wish last week's episode would have been after this one. And I, there's like a specific reason and a line that Hunter actually says, like literally like at the end of the episode that I could have because we had mentioned it last week of kind of like oh, what are gosh. these characters are like going through. You're so right. Of like You're so right. <laughs> like why do they go on this mission? Like what's the reason for this thing? Like especially because it's so contradictory to like what we had, like not contradictory but necessary like it's just not related to like the conversations that have been happen happening earlier in the season of like echo saying like, we need to be doing more in the galaxy. And Hunter is like, that puts a big target on our back. We don't really need that kind of heat. And then, you know, like we see them kind of navigating the galaxy. That's a big conversation in season one too. Um, but I think there was something that we talked about specifically last week regarding to Hunter and his perception of like Omega and like her is like her, you know, status in the batch and all that kind of stuff, which I think relates to the end of the episode. So we'll get to that point when we, when we get there, I think generally though, I really like this episode. I thought it was really terrific. Uh, there's some familiar faces in this episode that I was really happy to see. Uh, we knew we're like certainly going to be in this episode. Like, uh, let, we're not going to bury the lead, but, uh, Gunji being in this episode, I was, or, uh, I was really excited to, to see him back. Cause that's like a big fan favorite, like really, really, you know, cream of the crop kind of glup shit out to where you're just like, yeah, <laughs> like the little fucking Wookiee from like four episodes of the clone wars, you know, like seeing that was, was really terrific. Um, and, and beyond just, Hey, it's that thing that I remember. I think that there's also like some thematic significance to having him in this episode in particular and how it relates to the batch. All that to say, like, I think that this episode does everything that I didn't think last week's episode does. Like last week I didn't think was like thematically really relevant to what we were kind of experiencing with these characters up to this point in this season. There wasn't necessarily like a motivating factor for like why the bad batch was on this particular mission, why they're putting themselves in harm's way, why they're trusting this person, why they're, you know, all of these things. I, it just felt like that was just, here's an adventure with the batch and like nothing else to where this, I say, this is like, here's another mission that the batch goes on, but it relates to their characters. It relates to the journey and the arc that they've been experiencing and going on throughout this entire season. It also has something to say about like the state of the galaxy and the state of the empire and how the empire, like, you know, manipulates the galaxy. It also has like some cool lore stuff as well as having like some familiar faces popping up. It really is like, 
you know, just a, uh, I think is like a really solid episode of this season that may or may not be like, yeah, one of my favorites of the, of the season. I'm not going to be like, this is, you know, peak the bad batch, but I think it's really well done. I think it's super entertaining, really fun, had some, some great twists and turns uh, throughout it. Uh, and some themes that I just feel like are just really bread and butter kind of star Wars stuff. So let's go ahead and dive on into spoiler uh, filled thoughts before we do that though, where your thumbs at both up. I would, one up. I would say, I would say that they are, they're both up. Um, my thumbs are both up. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know if I'm like, you know, super ecstatic about it. Yeah. Um, not, not like, not like, oh, I guess I'll put my thumbs up, Yeah. but just more like, this is, this is good. This is where we want to be. This Mm -hmm. is like right on track for what I want for this show. I think we're, again, I'm being cynical about last week's episode, but like, I'm glad that we're back on track. I'm glad that this is like, this is, this episode is 100% what I would expect yeah. from this season. Um, which is, which is really, I mean, that's just a good thing. You know, yeah. it doesn't necessarily, doesn't have to relate to last week's episode or even the rest of the season so far. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah, this is what I would expect. And, uh, and I'm happy about it. I'm happy to see where we go from here. Yeah. Yeah, I think for myself, uh, I'm excited to talk about this because I feel like I have an opportunity not to like educate you or anything. I'm certainly not. He's soapboxing. Certainly He's not soap that pretentious. No, I just think like I think there's some really good stuff here, so I'm excited to to discuss it and get your uh, perception as well. But for me, I think both my thumbs are definitely up, but they're not like doing flips or anything. Like they're not. There's yeah. no like sparkler Fourth of July kind of energy. They're just like solidly planted. You know, I have like right. little yeah. granite thumbs up of just like these are solid <laughs> thumbs. You know, so. Uh, I'm excited. No one's moving this. No, no one's, one's moving it's that. It's going thumb. nowhere. I got little mule near thumbs. Uh, so I think this is a really <laughs> solid episode. Let's go ahead and talk about the title of the episode being tribe. Uh, you and I like to begin a lot of our discussions kind of like, you know, uh, I, I think a lot of these, these episodes, the title of which is like a kind of a thesis for what's going on here. So what did you think about tribe? Any double meanings here? Or do you think it was just kind of straight up? Yeah. It's about a tribe. I mean, I mean, Garrett, come on, <laughs> come on, come on. This is, this is so, this is so double meaning. It's like, you know, I, I, so when I, when I pulled up the episode, um, I, I went over, so I went over to Disney plus, went down to like the continue watching the bad batch. Yeah. Um, and it didn't even go to like the details page. So I didn't see the thumbnail of, um, of like what the episode was. Yeah. Um, and so the episode just started playing and it said episode six, tribe. I don't think I and even so know. I, like, the, I, I think literally recording right now, I don't know what the thumbnail is. Cause I just, well, I so, just did like the, I'm not going to say it cause it'll go off of like, Hey blank, play the newest episode. Right, of the right, right. Cause I was uh, in my bedroom watching it. So yeah, I, I actually don't know what it looks like. Tell me, tell me I'm so, I want to be so surprised. I, I, I went back to it cause I was like, I was like, Okay, wait, I missed what the thumbnail was. And I, I didn't actually like, I didn't want to see the thumbnail. I wanted to read the description because there's like a one sentence little, you know, mm-hmm. l- like lead in to the, to the episode. Um, and so I went back to the thumbnail, but I will say before that, I was like, okay, tribe. That means that we are dealing with two things. One, we are dealing with the idea of found family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and two, we are dealing with the idea of local, like, like 
a, a native indigenous population, right? And so like my head was right there immediately from the start of the episode. Didn't even have to like get, I didn't even get to like the skip intro part of the episode before I was like, I bet, I bet that this is what this episode is. And uh, guess yeah. what? I was right. Uh, but the thumbnail is uh, Hunter speaking to an older Wookiee, an adult Wookiee. Oh, cool. Um, and so I was like, awesome. Love it. We're, we're fully going in. I know exactly what to expect from this episode, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of, in terms of, you know, the in- inciting, uh, events yeah. and whatnot. Um, but yeah, this is right on, like, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say on the nose in a bad way, but like, yeah, this is, this is what we do here, uh, uh you know, with this show, with the Bad Batch, this is what we do where we have that, you know, we have our crew dealing with something in the physical sense and what does it mean for that, that scenario, but also how does that, you know, how do they carry that idea with them when they get on their ship and blast off and, and, you know, go back home and what does that mean? So I think it's right up there with, with some of the other, you know, sort of double meanings that we've, that we've had. Yeah. I think that there's not necessarily like a double entendre in like, you know, like, tribe is used in this way but it's also used in this way i think it's generally kind of the same thing of like tribe meaning you know like a a a group of of people animals things whatever that share like a common belief or, or common experiences or traditions or whatever i think it just applies to like a lot of different people and how their perception of the word tribe is different i think obviously the batch being a tribe being a family having that shared experience of being a clone and and coming from camino and having your home destroyed but then also like having having gunji who is you know is a wookie but doesn't have that knowledge or that experience of living on kashik so him getting like re-familiarized with the customs and the traditions of this area and then also sort of the warring tribes of the Trandoshans that we see here and, you know, the Wookiees and how the, the, the empire kind of like manipulates those and kind of puts, you know, pits uh, different groups and different tribes, you know, against one another. So I don't, I don't think that there's necessarily from, at least for myself, like, you know, uh, different applications for the word in like a definition sense. It's not like, yeah. you know, tribe like means a different thing or has, you know, like a number two sort of definition on Webster or whatever. <laughs> I think it, it's, it's all circling around sort of the same kind of thematic idea of what does it mean to be a tribe and how does this idea of, you know, shared experiences and, 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 and uh, culture kind of, how does it relate to, to the different characters that are at play here? Yeah, that that's that's sort of the uh I guess the like you said that's the thesis of what we're going with here mm-hmm. um which I think like I said is back to um you know back to the roots of what makes this show interesting um and it was funny because I I mentioned it to you uh before we before we started recording um that I was lucky enough to watch this episode with my dad. Yeah. Um and he was saying like we were watching it and he was like are they trying to make this like just for the listener's sake, my dad also watches this show mm-hmm. uh, and I had turned him on to rebels and clone wars. Um, and he's a huge rebels fan and we were watching the show and he was like, are they trying to make this like the same as rebels with, you know, with this, this and that. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, it's kind of always been mm-hmm. that same idea of like, being on the run from the empire. Sure. And, found know, family, and stuff the, like that. Yeah. And, and yeah, that kind of stuff. And he, so he caught on to it as well. Um, of that, like that grouping being like, okay, well, you know, 
how does that how, how do they as a group fit into this larger story and what is the story impact you know how does the story impact them coming away from it so i yeah i think it's i think it's right there sort of uh, you don't need to read between the lines necessarily, or at least not too hard. Yeah. I think in, in your, your dad's defense, I think he's right to point out of like, Oh, this sounds familiar, but I would also like arguing against that. It's not just like rebels. It's, it's a star Wars theme, like the idea oh, yeah. of found yeah. family and like finding your own kind of uh, uh, family when you might not have any, or the family that you do come from, you don't necessarily associate with like Ray and her finding a family in the resistance with, with Poe, and Finn and obviously Luke, Han and Leia kind of being their own family in a literal sense, but also in like a, a platonic, you know, Luke and Han are kind of brothers in a way. So I, I think that there's uh, certainly a lot of themes to be found here and other material. I think there's also some Andor stuff in here, um, which we'll be uh, definitely talking about uh, further into our discussion. So let's go ahead and dive fully on in. Uh, the episode begins with the batch in the middle of a trade with the Vanguard Axis clan, uh, which is a small group of droid pirates slash smugglers um i don't know about you but i thought that this was like you ever see those like prompts on twitter and it's like what would your wizard name be or what would your star wars name be and you take like the first letter of your name and then like the month you were born in and it's yeah, like you know yeah. i'm captain thunderfuck or whatever and it's like to me <laughs> i think that this was kind of like one of those of like let's take a droid let's take pirates and smugglers and like mash them all together and it's just kind of this weird like star wars brundle fly of like these different like, I don't know, Star Wars classifications of like what you can be, you know, I just, I thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, it's so interesting because they're also like, I, 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 this is like, I I think we're about to, we're about to lose like most of our listener base here when I say this, Uh, (laughs) but it reminded me already. (laughs) It reminded me of the, the mods in, uh, in book of Boba Fett, um, (laughs) because like all the droids in this, in this, in the Vanguard Axis clan, uh, they all are like colored differently there's like sure. there's a red one a yellow one and a green one and a blue one yeah and like, like the wiggles and that's kind of, <laughs> yeah that's like kind of it uh that's like their only distinguishing thing uh which i think is very interesting yeah uh and then all the all the unimportant ones are just gray um but that's an interesting thing there's like a, a tie-in later to that which is like huh i'm I'm like curious about that. Um, but yeah, I, I think that this is a cool thing. The, the one thing which, you know, I'll jump ahead, but we can obviously cover it. But, uh, tech is like, is assuring them that the chain codes that they've brought, uh, are in working order, yeah. uh, because they're, they're accepting money for this thing. It's kind of illegal, you know, whatever. But I thought about it and I was like, why do droids need chain codes? Like, aren't they just, aren't they just like registered droids or whatever? And like, what do they, how does that work? Well, like, if do they're they... smugglers, meaning like they're trying to navigate the, the empire galaxy now. And like, they're going to go to certain places and they're going to be like, we need your authorization, whatever to get to, you know, uh, whatever thing that they're, you know, they're not going to get boarded. If they're saying like, yeah, we detect life forms on your ship, but you're all droids or something else on there. And they're like, no, we're farmers trading livestock or whatever. And that's whatever chain code that they have. So I think it's still applicable for sure. It's it's just very interesting. It's not something that I would have thought of. I was like, oh, that's, huh. 
I, I like wouldn't have thought of it. <laughs> you would have been much more happy if they just opened a can of grease, you know, and they're like, well, oh, they just started <laughs> rubbing it on themselves. And they're like, that's the stuff right there. <laughs> I mean, if they had, like if they had said, like, all right, we got we got this oil and it's it's illegal oil because uh, it's so like pure, then they would have been like, oh, yeah, that's the stuff. And <laughs> I would have been totally fine. Are you they kidding open me? it. It's like been... they just put it between their teeth and they're like, mm, well, that's 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 the pure stuff. Right. Rub, just like rubbing it on their gums. Oh my word. That'd be so good. No, I, I, I just thought that it was very interesting. Yeah. Um, that is like, that's, yeah. um, you know, that's how it's, I don't know. Well, it, I, it, I thought it was funny that like tech is, you know, he says like, Oh, they're, they're, they're the real deal. Like I programmed them myself. So I was just like tech, you dork. Like, what did you think that they were just going to be like, Oh shit. Why didn't you say so? Like, no worries. <laughs> it's like, dude, you're like in a deal right now. Tech is so funny. Like he's obviously a character with like, you know, not a ton of social skills or like social right, cues. He's right. just like a numbers and logic. He's like a Spock kind of guy. I just yeah. thought it was so funny that they, he just was under the impression that they just like, you know, like that, that would work. Cause he's like, no, they're completely legitimate. I did them myself right. pushes up glasses and they're just like, yeah, I think they literally say your reassurance means nothing, <laughs> <laughs> which I, I thought was really funny. I, I also think it's interesting that like jumping into this scene in the middle of this mission, um, again, with kind of the adversaries that we find ourselves, you know, confronted with, with these pirate droid smugglers, um, smugglers that are droids, not, not pirates that are smuggling droids. Correct. Um, but it's interesting because you don't always really, you don't always see droids that have free will, um, like in such an expansive sense, Mm -hmm. like in such a, like, legitimate free will sense these droids are like are their own you know gang they're not like droids that work for you know a a random hut or something like that right um they are the gang and i just i think that that's very interesting we don't see a lot of that where it's like i know and we'll we'll get a little bit of that in um in Mandalorian season three, actually with the, with our, you know, all droid bar, I think that'll be very interesting, but it's not something that you see all the time of like, this droid is, you know, is a gang leader and is a criminal because he friggin' wants to be, Yeah, <laughs> you know, you don't see that all the time. Yeah. Uh, so that's interesting. And I think the way that that relates to the bad batch of them doing a deal with droids where clones are, are typically on the whole, uh, a little bit more, cautious with droids and and less trusting and whatnot um it's very cool it's interesting yeah yeah uh definitely a a cool mashup for sure that i i would like to see like what else could we mash up you know like what are the other weird star wars kind of subcategories of like the thing that you would choose on a video game of like i want to be a jedi i want to be a smuggler i want to be a rebel spy or whatever so i thought it was definitely a lot of fun but uh on this mission omega overhears a creature in distress as she uncovers a young wookiee being tortured by the droids uh the batch also overhear the commotion and rush to omega's aid um, while attempting to free the child the wookie reaches out with the force calling his lightsaber to his hand igniting a green blade revealing it is in fact gunji uh who is a if you're not familiar with the clone wars was one of the many uh younglings that ahsoka took uh in a season of that show and a small arc in that show to go find their kyber crystal and, and and manufacture their own lightsaber and and gunji was one of them and it was certainly a favorite of mine when i watched the show and also 
unfortunately, no. And I really do hope that this uh, his inclusion in this season of the show doesn't have an action figure. There's no Gunji action figures out there. What a crime, Noah. That, that's that's something that needs to be remedied. But uh, I know with our uh, with our merge treatment of the Bad Batch, we uh, we might be we might be waiting a little bit longer. That's oh, yeah. just that's that's just how it is. It's oh, just yeah. the way that it is. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, really unfortunate. There's not like a Lego set or anything. Not not a nary a Funko. So definitely disappointing. But yeah, uh, hopefully. But it was so great to see him back. Like I knew I we we knew that he was going to be in the show. We saw him in the trailer. Uh, but what was your reaction to like seeing him back in the flesh? And you know that bit where he reaches out in the force and grabs it and like it's a very kind of Ray Force Awakens kind of moment here. Well, it's interesting because the rest of this, uh, the rest of this episode, he's a little bit cavalier with his lightsaber use. Oh yeah, uh, and which oh, I yeah. think is really funny. But I mean, the, the droids know that he's a Jedi. Yeah, um, they're like, hey, this we're gonna get a good price for this guy right here because he's he's worth a lot. And uh, you know, well, okay. It's interesting. I'm trying to, I'm trying to not get ahead of myself because, and I was explaining it to my dad as we were watching this, mm-hmm. that I'm like, Wookiees are typically sold into slavery and this and this and that. And what, you know, th- this is, this is Gunji and he's from this, this is, you know, yeah, yeah. and I, I was trying to like recap all of that. Um, but I did have that split second, like, okay, are they trying to smuggle him because he is a, like a slave, like a, like a labor slave, mm-hmm. or are they trying to smuggle him because he's a Jedi who's their contact? What is that? What's going on there? For sure. You know, if that's the case, which I'm sure it is, um, that they're aware that he's a Jedi because, you know, they have his lightsaber. Um, But yeah, I I do think it's interesting that, you know, he's very cavalier with with his force ability and using his lightsaber. But I mean, come on. How can you not be excited when he does that? It's so baller. Also, his lightsaber is pretty thin, and that just makes me happy. It's a thin blade. Yeah, I'm. I I miss it. I miss it so much. Yeah, I and it's also I kind of mix uh, miss lightsabers in the show because we haven't seen them since like the season yeah. one premiere of yeah. this. But yeah, he's also got one of my favorite hilts. It's so cool. Uh, that course. whole natural carved wood look. But you're right. Like, there's a a bit later on in the episode, but they're specifically like Hunter tells him like you know. Uh, Ixnay on the lightsaber, eh? you know, like you don't want to be throwing that thing around. And literally the next moment he's like, and just like <laughs> runs into battle, just does not care. So I, I really, uh, I appreciate, uh, uh, Gun- Gungi's, uh, uh, kind of, uh, gumption here. Gungi's gumption. Uh, I'd say that five <laughs> times fast. Um, uh, the rest of the batch kind of arrive and, and end up kind of saving Gungi in the situation, taking out the droids, um, and then kind of bring him aboard their ship. Uh, Gungi, obviously having survived order 66 is understandably distrusting of the clones and, uh, kind of stays to himself on the ship. Um, Omega and the rest of the batch reassure him that they too have no love for the empire and they didn't act on the order. Um, I want to talk about this moment here because I thought that this was interesting. We're definitely going to be talking about it more than the episode does because it's not that significant of a plot point in this, but what do you think is the significance of having Gungi specifically? in this episode beyond just like, like I mentioned, Hey, it's that thing from that thing that I recognize, you know, like what do you think the power is in having him specifically in this episode? Well, there's a, there's a mention a little bit later on, um, when they're sort of deciding if they are going to be, you know, if they're going to do anything more than just return him to Kashyyyk. Yeah. Um, and the conversation that they have, um, you know, echo essentially points out, he says like, 
the Wookiees were our allies, you know, in, in the clone wars, Mm -hmm. that's a huge thing. Um, and I think that that's sort of the basis of this is that what we're dealing with in this episode is, you know, the treatment, the treatment of Wookiees, uh, from the empire, uh, and from, you know, other factions, whether it's smugglers or, you know, or, or slave owners or whatever, uh, or Trandoshans, obviously we'll get into that, but the treatment of Wookiees, um, by these different factions, um, the treatment of, you know, of, of clones by, you know, from like their relationship with the Wookiees, um, and what that sort of interconnected relationship is. But I think what's important is what that says is that the, the Wookiees were some, some way or another mm-hmm. were harmed during order 66 or at least immediately after the thing, what's, what's interesting about this episode is that what we see is that, you know, that the, the empire somewhat has a hand in, you know, the destruction of Kashyyyk or the, the, you know, the Trandoshans mostly have a hand in, in some of the slave labor destruction part of it as well. Um, and there's that side of it, but from what we know, um, from what we know, Gunji has been on the run, ever since order 66. And so as a Jedi doubly as a Wookiee, it's a really interesting comparison. And I wonder, I mean, this is just me rambling and getting into tinfoil hat side of things, but I do wonder about Omega's place, uh, in this overall story to have, to have Omega be connected to Gunji. And I, I'm not going to go out on a limb and say that, that, you know, that, that there were, we're getting into Omega's force sensitivity. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go ahead and say like, Oh, that's definitely, this is why that's no, mm-hmm. not at all. But you know, Gunji being a Jedi, or at least, you know, if we said like, okay, great, we're going to have a Jedi in this episode. And it was, you know, a youngling that's been on the run, you know, we've talked a lot about in this show, or at least for the bad batch in this season, even just six episodes in who are your friends who are your allies? Who are your enemies? You know, are you different from your enemies? Are you different from your allies? Yeah. What makes you two the same? Um, and so having Gunji be the one that they end up running into as a Wookiee who used to be the ally of, you know, the Wookiees used to be allies with the Republic, but clearly a lot has changed. Um, and that, you know, the distrust there comes from Order 66 and Gunji's identity as a Wookiee or as a, as a Jedi, um, his identity as a Jedi is, is, you know, that's sort of the basis of his distrust in, in the Bad Batch as mm-hmm. clones at the same time as a Wookiee, you know, that, that shared, you know, history is probably there as it at least alluded to with the rest of the Wookiees that we end up meeting along the way, um, that they're not distrustful of the clones necessarily. You know, they're not immediately like, whoa, hey, whoa, 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 back off a little bit, you know, don't get too close, bucko. Um, but having those like different identities is I think really important and sort of puts on display how does the Bad Batch interact with this character and what does that mean for them? Because they themselves could have multiple different ways of seeing themselves, multiple, multiple different uh, pieces of themselves to identify with, which I think is really interesting because there's sort of that duality of like, okay, 
you know, in which we see a lot in, in, in Star Wars is, are you going to be this person or are you going to be this person, which both of them are yourself, but which do you choose to be? Are you going to be, you know, the son of, or the grandson of Darth Vader? Or are you going to be, you know, the, the nephew of Luke? Um, th- those ideas are like, you're one and the same with this other version of yourself. Um, but you know, which are you going to choose to be and how are you going to use that? And I think for, for the Bad Batch, are they going to be, you know, for the rest of the season, maybe this is posing, are they going to be, you know, their family or are you going to be clones or are you, or are you going to be fugitives? What does that mean? So I think it's very interesting. Again, long-winded, but there's a lot set up here that I think is very, very, uh, it's very, very, I guess, potentially uh, important for, for what we're going to end up seeing in the rest of the season. I think it's it's an interesting choice to have Gunji here in this episode, not only because he's a familiar face, he's someone that the audience like may or may not already have like a level of empathy with because we've seen at least a portion of his journey, but I think him being a child, for one, is something that is very significant. If it wasn't Gungi or Gunji and it was like, Oppo Rancisis or something like that <laughs> wouldn't necessarily strike the same chord. Hunter would be like, who is this weirdo, this old man with a little slug tail? How did you survive this long for one? Uh, how are you a Jedi? Um, as much as it would have been cool to see him in action, I think Gunji being a child really directly correlates with a lot of the overall and central themes of kind of like the batch isn't the most like proactive group. Like they're a little bit responsive in a way and a little bit reactionary. And generally they're kind of just like, we'll keep our heads down and kind of just do what's best for the group. And a real example of them kind of contradicting that uh, is with Omega. Like that was kind of a risk for them. And I think that it's shown that the batch does have a soft spot for like young people. And I think, you know, uh, Gunji being a Wookiee who's not really able to communicate with the group like terribly well. Yeah, obviously he can fend for himself like he protects himself pretty well. Like he's pretty savvy with a blade that we see in this episode. But I think the fact that Hunter is able to look at him and have that same sort of empathy with someone like Omega and someone who is kind of helpless in a way, um, I think really kind of propels them to you know a lot of the struggles that i think that they will continue to go on in this episode i didn't want to ask though because order 66 is name dropped here and it's not really something that we've gotten a lot of like development on but like how do you think hunter and the rest of the batch actually feel about order 66 like how do you think that they they view what happened to the jedi how do you think that they view what happens to the clones considering that like they never really not never, but probably not a majority of the time fought alongside either of them. Obviously, yeah. we are introduced to them by with Anakin. So obviously they did fight alongside the Jedi. And obviously they had missions with clones, probably in regs, as they would refer to them as. But like, I think most of their missions were probably as a unit and as a team and just kind of off on their own, probably by design in a way. So how do you think that they actually feel uh, feel? about Order 66 and their their Jedi and clone compatriots? I think you're right to ask the question because it is difficult knowing that, like, at least what we've gotten is very limited interaction with other clones. I think that the difficult thing is that the Bad Batch is intentionally and is, like, 
you know, sort of, uh, I would say like consciously different that, that their idea of their existence as, as like a, as like a, you know, an idea is that they are different, um, and that they don't necessarily fit with the other clones. So it's difficult because, you know, sort of introducing the Bad Batch when, you know, when we got them was that idea of like, no, the regular clones are really brothers, but the Bad Batch, they're kind of, they're kind of their own subset. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, that's kind of the difficult thing um, to, to compare them to other clones and say, well, what is like, how would that be? How would that be the same? How would that be different? Um, and it would be different if, you know, if their, their ability to avoid order 66 was like a 100% conscious choice, um, of like whether or not they should or shouldn't, um, with crosshair, things get a little bit, you know, a little bit tricky. Um, but I would say on the whole, the idea of, of them not really interacting with, not really interacting with other clones, with regular clones, almost, I don't want to say like defeats that, um, because it is still important, but it's so difficult to pin down because even still we've only seen, we've only seen the Bad Batch interact with, you know, with a couple key members. We're talking Anakin and Rex and it's kind of about it, you know? So even on that front, um, we're not really at that level of like knowledge. And I will say that there's a line later in this that Hunter gives that is like, it's almost frustrating in a way. Um, and it's the line that you had referenced before when we were talking about the placement of this episode. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's almost frustrating in a way because it, makes it seem like, and what we've gotten so far with season one and so far season two, it makes it seem like they would ra rather have nothing to do with the consequences of order 66 and that they don't feel personally responsible in any way, which of course they shouldn't, but it's something that they were a part of, um, one way or another. Um, but there's no, there's no like inherent or at least apparent guilt or responsibility there, which I think is interesting. So I don't know. I mean, if we ever, do come to a point where they are faced with that, it'd be interesting to see. But yeah, it's it's a difficult question to answer, honestly. I think it's difficult because it's not really addressed super thoroughly in the show. It's just kind of like brought up barely. You know, the fact that Hunter like sees the scare Jedi and he's like, don't worry, we're not like those other clones. It's like, cool, man. Like I saw my friends die because of people who looked very similar to you. You know, like I'm sure it is really terrifying. But I think that... I think you're right in the sense of the batch doesn't necessarily ha take a much ownership for what happened. And I think it's precisely because they probably didn't fight alongside either group, like super, like not a majority of the time. We obviously don't spend a ton of time with the batch beyond what's presented in this show, as well as their introduction in the clone war. So it's kind of hard to tell, but from what I understand, I feel like the batch really kind of stuck to themselves in their, in their own missions. And I think as such, their connection with the Jedi and their perception of their, you know, reg kind of brothers here in a sense, I think it is presenting this sense of these people are more like you than they're, than they aren't. And they're still out there and you can help them. Like you tried to help crosshair. 
I think they're a little bit deterred probably because of what happened with Crosshair and they're probably don't maybe think that they could do much of a difference. But I think in this episode specifically, I think that they do see that they can make a difference in their contribution and their ability to help out, maybe not directly related to the clones, but the very people that the galaxy is stepping on, you know, and they're, uh, you know, gripping and control They're they're hurting people and they have an opportunity to go out there and to, to help people. And I think, by specifically seeing somebody who was directly influenced or directly uh, impacted more accurately to something that they kind of had a hand in, you know, they were there with order 66 and they saw Caleb Dune and, you know, like, yeah, they, they weren't the people who shot his master, um, but they were there. Uh, they were there. And I think that they were, fighting alongside others who actually were involved, you know, specifically. So I think that they do have kind of a duty here to step in and engage and if not protect others in the galaxy, go throughout the galaxy and find other clones who maybe weren't as lucky as they were and didn't have an opportunity to um, fight against their inhibitor chip. So I think that this is kind of, again, it's barely raised in this episode. It's maybe not even like a real strong theme of the episode, but I do think it is really laying seeds and laying groundwork of something that could potentially be addressed in, in further episodes. But, uh, Omega urges the batch that they need to take uh, Gunji back to his home planet of Kashyyyk. Um, I just wanted to note, uh, it's not necessarily like a, a, a criticism or a, a big thought of the episode, but there is a lot of plot points in this episode that, although we're not a one-to-one translation of a planned arc in the Clone Wars, there are multiple moments and even characters who do pop up throughout it that was originally planned for the Clone Wars series. So, uh, you know, no, no giant insight there. I just think that that's neat that they are continuing to like take bits and stories. The Bad Batch themselves are, were like things that were planned for the Clone Wars, but eventually never came to fruition and that they're still finding ways to incorporate those stories. I, I think that that's cool. Yeah, that's that's something that's nice to see that these ideas are ideas that matter to the creative team mm-hmm. of like, yeah, you know, and, and pointing out that it's not a perfect translation is good because it's adapted into this into this era, this time. Yeah. And, you know, like I'd said before, I was trying to answer questions while I was watching with my dad and the way that this episode goes, I was like, Oh, that, that kind of makes perfect sense in, you know, in this format and, you know, saying like, well, actually like this is typically how these things went. And so it would make sense. Um, cause I think at one point he asked like, what, why, why, why are they, who's, who are they? What, what, what's their deal? And I was like, actually, you know, you know, and so it, it, it fits in a way that like, yeah, these stories can be adapted into, into what we're, what we're trying to tackle this, this season or this episode, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And an example of that, uh, there's some indigenous creatures called the Kinraths uh, who attack the batch when they uh, arrive on the planet. Uh, I don't know about you, but they remind me of the Kyrknak. Uh, I think uh, cry Kragnica. <laughs> it's kind of sure, man. <laughs> uh, kind of a word salad there. The big spider snow things from the Mandalorian season two. Uh, they attack the batch. Um, before doing so, Gunji does comment that he doesn't really remember uh, this home planet apart from dreams about the planet. Um, and again, another thing that kind of is like barely brought up in this episode is the fact that 
Jedi do recruit very small children from their homes, like early enough that they don't necessarily remember where they came from and raise them from a very young age to be Jedi. Not something that this episode has the time or maybe even honestly the interest to dive into, but I thought it was like kind of an interesting, a bit of subtext of, you know, him and his home and his own tribe that he has, you know, I think from what we understand, the Jedi just didn't walk up and snatch children away. They were like kind of given away to like a, a greater purpose, kind of like how Anakin was obviously younger, though. Um, so I just think it's an interesting point brought up, though, that like Gunji was taken so young that his culture and his own identity has been kind of robbed from him in a way. Yeah, there's my dad cracked a joke while we were watching it that he was like, who is this kid? Is he, is he the bastard child of, of Chewbacca? Like what's going on? And, and I was like, ha ha ha. And then I thought about it and I was like, well, like Chewbacca's old, he's pretty old. And so we get like this range of like, uh, of aging in, in different, you know, species in star Wars. And you have to imagine, you know, if, if a character like Grogu, for mm-hmm. example, you know, when was he taken? Was he taken relative to what, like, relative to another youngling like Ahsoka or, you know, Gunji, you know, in this, in this case, what would his age be relative to other times that, that younglings are, are taken to be a part of the, of the Jedi order. Um, so it is very interesting that it's not fully touched upon. Um, but that, you know, that sort of thing again, leans into that overall theme of being a part of a tribe that Gunji's main tribe was the Jedi, um, that his, you know, his real tribe was taken from him. Um, and that, or, or was at the very least given away. Um, and, and so that part of him does not necessarily exist, which is, you know, sort of, um, is sort of, contradictory to to what we know about about culture mm-hmm. in star wars especially something like kashik and with with wookies is that it's very centered around natural you know natural life and environment mm-hmm. and having that culture be incredibly important from what we know of of the wookies so it's yeah it's it's really interesting i i do wish there was a little bit more there uh because you know what is that? What does that all look like? We don't really know. Yeah. I mean, the episode's like 22 minutes long, so it's certainly not. It's a short one. It's, it's, it's a breeze. It is very breezy and you can have a whole arc on, on this kind of stuff. But again, this show is kind of uh, moving at a bit of a clip uh, in this episode. Something that I think actually the larger conversation for sure could benefit this show instead of being like this episodic on this episode, they do this adventure on this episode. They do this adventure like three episode arcs like that's something i really like about the clone wars is it is like okay here's the siege of mandalore arc here's the mortis arc here's the fill in the blank you know having an opportunity to really dive into those themes and instead of a 22 minute snack it's like a really you know it could be like an 80 minute you know meal in a way so uh maybe uh, maybe this is something that uh could uh, pop up in in future seasons or at the least could be like a season finale kind of thing but uh many of the planet's forests have been burnt down by the trandoshans who are hunting wookies and setting fire to their homes um you already kind of touched on this a little bit but the imperial occupation of kashik is a pretty significant part of star wars canon um 
we've seen bits of this and in, in, in pieces of it and other uh, pieces of canon and other uh, material. Obviously, Solo, a Star Wars story, uh, features some enslaved Wookiees. Uh, there's also uh, a big chunk of Jedi Fallen Order that takes place on Kashyyyk and these kind of Imperial mining posts. Uh, the episode does like shine a light on, you know, the, the this idea in this part of the timeline by showing that like, you know, because of the, the empire and their reign across the galaxy, how they stomp out villages and, and, and vulnerable places like Kashyyyk and like the Wookiees. We see this on Aldani and, and, and Andor and how kind of cruel and senseless, you know, the empire, uh, can be, and just their blind attacks of these planets, because like we saw in Andor, they're like, ah, oh, we could use a new facility there, or we need this certain resource here. And I think also beyond that, this episode really does capitalize on how the empire capitalizes on conflict and how the empire has a habit of turning the galaxy against itself. And by viewing others as just that the other, you know, the Trandoshans and the Wookiees are obviously already have that established conflict there. We see that in the book of Boba Fett, uh, too, where, uh, black Chrysanthemum just whoops those Trandoshans at, uh, the bar. Um, but I think because the Empire uses the Trandoshans, I think it's like the Empire just being like, send in the pawns. Who cares? Like, let them kill each other. Like, because if if they wipe out 50% of the Wookiees or a quarter of the Wookiees, great. That's the legwork that we didn't have to do. We didn't have to wait our, waste our own resources. We didn't even have to give them tanks. Like, they have like <laughs> separatist <laughs> tanks that have literally just been spray-painted with the Empire logo. Like, it's a second-hand kind of stuff here. So I thought that this episode did a really great job of showing the evil of the empire, even if they're not there, like in a literal sense, like we see the clones there, we see Trandoshans there and we know that they're under the direction of the empire, but it's not like we're seeing ATSTs and stormtroopers here. I think that the language of the empire and the grasp of the empire is still felt in this episode. And we get to see kind of their tactics and how they view these already established conflicts or how they even can kind of create conflict. Yeah, that's something that I I really liked about this episode is that what we know is that, you know, the Empire typically, uh, and by typically, I mean, like almost all of the time, almost exclusively consists of only humans and that they will, they'll sublet some work uh, to other species and other cultures and whatever. Um, I do think that, you know, we talk a lot about, and this is, you know, clear in, in, like you had mentioned, the Aldani episode um, of Andor, that the Empire's, their position of being the sort of um, the industrial, you know, hammer that that smashes the the natural world. Um, that's that's always kind of the the dichotomy that we use. The analogy that we use is that what you know what we see always is the natural world fighting against and rebelling against the empire being this sort of mechanical industrial um, sort of threat, and that's how they're portrayed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 40th anniversary of, of return of the Jedi coming up. That's obviously, you know, that's a a very heavy theme. I think though, that what the, what this episode does is it takes that and turns it into more of not like a general or broad idea, but sort of the more like underlying idea of, okay, great. We have the natural world being, you know, being smushed, by the empire. Mm -hmm. What does that look like? 
if we take that in like an ideological sense, what we have is not like nature fighting against, you know, fighting against machines or industrial versus versus natural. It's harmony. You know, the the natural part of the world is is encapsulated with, you know, the harmony where Gunji is like, okay, these spiders will only attack if if they see you as a threat, you know, live in harmony Mm -hmm. with this, you know, with this environment, with this world, with these creatures. Um, And that's a huge, you know, obviously that's a huge force theme. Uh, It's a huge light side theme, but the, you know, the antithesis to that harmony obviously is disharmony, but the empire feeding on breeding conflict and breeding that like that disunion and disunity of the natural world, the way that they can use the transoceans and say essentially like, Hey, we need to like, we need to chop the population of Wookiees down by quite a bit. Like how can we do that the easiest way? And like the trained oceans are like, we'll do it. We hate those guys. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And, and so exploiting that is that is still that like natural versus mechanical, but it's the more ideological side of harmony versus disharmony. Um, and I think that that's really kind of a, a, a really like spectacular intellectual way mm-hmm. to portray that, that like you said, it's not just like big, you know, ATSDs crushing, you know, crushing trees and villages and, and, you know, burning the forest. It's more that like that species, like interspecies conflict Mm -hmm. that the empire is utilizing, which I think is just, I mean, that's, we don't see that a whole lot. That's really, really like, that's kind of deep stuff, you Mm -hmm. know, not to be, not to be too surface level, but that's pretty deep. You know? Yeah. We also get a little bit more references to the, to the nature side of things. Uh, there's a, a bit coming up that I'm excited to talk about, but the, uh, uh, the trend oceans are laying waste. They're burning everything in sight. Gunji steps in. And like we had mentioned, uh, hunters like keep it low key with the lightsaber and Gunji's like, Nope. Uh, ignites a saber <laughs> strikes down one of the trend oceans and frees the Wookiee captive Yana. Um, Yonner, uh, Yana leads the bad batch back to their village where they join fo- forces with the other Wookiees and decide to fight back against the empire in the Trandoshans. I was under the impression that one of these Wookiees was in fact Tarful, uh, who is a character alongside Chewbacca in Revenge of the Sith. May or may not be, uh, Wikipedia doesn't list Tarful explicitly as like one of the characters in this episode. Um, so I don't want to be speciesist or anything and be like, yeah, that one looks like Tarful. You know, I'm not sure. <laughs> really not sure. Um, regardless, it would have been cool to see Tarful like name dropped in this episode. I'm not ones to be like, oh, there should have been an Easter egg here, but I also would have loved maybe some holiday references, you know? Uh, I'm just saying like, we could have really got some, uh, some, some deep cut, like Wookiee, you know, uh, uh, holiday reference names in here. I would have been excited. Did you, did you miss, uh, the fact that we didn't get, you know, uh, what is his name from the holiday lumpy. special? Lumpy. lumpy. We could have got lumpy <laughs> or what's the old one's name? You know, like the old grandpa that's oh, watching geez. porn. Or, the know? one that's jacking off. Yeah, oh my gosh. real weird. Anyway, yeah. Did you, were you uh, disappointed that Tarful wasn't like specifically name dropped in this? Because I think you and I were the, under the impression that he was in the episode. I would have, I would have absolutely not been surprised had he been in because that's sort of the question is like, okay, what are these characters doing that we that we sort of know? We know that that at one point or another, Tarful is in in cahoots in a good way. I don't know if there's like a good, you know like a good connotation for in cahoots, but yeah. he's in cahoots with Saw Gerrera at one point or another. We know that from Jedi Fallen Order. 
um, that he has sort of a hand in the rebellion, um, which is very interesting. Maybe he's off world doing more important things, but I see Tarful as the kind of person that is a, you know, is a Wookiee village leader Mm -hmm. and is, you know, protective of his people. Um, So that's really interesting. Obviously what we get is kind of a very small group of, of Wookiees that are on the run in this particular portion of Kashyyyk. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, that, that's, that's part of it. Um, I am, I I will say I was, I was surprised that like, that uh, upon their arrival, Gunji is not like immediately like welcomed into the, the tribe, so to speak of Wookiees. Like they're sort of like, Hey, we brought this, we brought this Wookiee back to his home planet, but he doesn't know where his tribe is. They're not like, Oh, well it's fine. We're all one big tribe. You know, he can, you know, whatever. Um, but there's obviously still accepting, you know, they're not like, Oh no, get that guy out of here. He's, he's, he lives over West. Mm -hmm. Like he's, he's from the bad part of town. No, 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 not at all. Um, but we get such a small group of, of Wookiees that it's, you know, it was just interesting that they weren't like, you know, Oh, that's okay. We're all, you know, we're all Wookiees, you know, it's not, it's not a big deal. He can, he can be in our tribe. Um, it kind of takes a little bit to get to that point, which I think is interesting, but you know, anyways, that's a whole, that's a whole other tangent. Sure. Uh, uh, speaking of tangents, uh, add a chit cuck or itchy, uh, is his name, but add a chit cuck is like, uh, uh, canon character who's uh chewbacca's dad apparently like in the <sighs> the the novel of solo a star wars story that's how chewbacca introduces himself is uh, chewbacca son of Atachitcuck. so we could have happened it could have happened you know what i'm saying it's canon it's canon uh i would have liked to have seen some Atachitcuck action in this noah would have been nice would have been nice um, it's not a small world garrett it's not a small it's world a big galaxy it's a big old big old galaxy but i'm saying he's there he's probably home he's probably at home watching stuff he's probably preoccupied let's let's be probably honest. Yeah. Uh, there's a moment where uh, Gunji joins the other Wookiees and trying to commune with trees on the planet. Uh, we'd kind of mentioned this as like specifically as like big, big old Avatar vibes, big Awa vibes, you know. Uh, but this is also kind of tied to as you had mentioned, like big picture Star Wars themes, like nature versus mechanical, uh, organic versus the inorganic. Like that's that's kind of br- uh, bread and butter Star Wars stuff. There, I think my favorite moment of this was not only that like. Gunji, who's not super familiar with the customs of Kashyyyk, obviously, but he joins in, but also Omega joins in. Uh, I thought it was such a great character moment because throughout this entire episode, she just really appreciates like the different foliage on the planet. Uh, We've seen this in season one where she's just like, she grew up on this big rainy water planet. She hasn't seen any of this kind of stuff before. She's probably read about it or seen it on, you know, the hollow net or something, but for her to actually like go out and experience it. And I thought it was just so endearing that she like, she joins in and just is like, yeah, I'll pray to the tree or whatever. Like who knows if she's actually feeling something you could obviously have those like, is she force sensitive? Is she not kind of conversations? But for me, I, I just, I think it's really nice that she's just kind of like, yeah, sure. Why not? I'll do it. You know, I thought it was really nice. Well, yeah, that's, I, I really love that moment as well because you know, when, when she asks like, what are they doing? And they're like, they're, you know, they're trying to communicate with, with, this tree with the with nature it's interesting because omega is such a learner if nothing else she is like a learner she loves to like learn about the things that she experiences throughout this show throughout this entire series really um and this being one of those things of that like okay well what does she learn from this that there is you know that there is 
importance in the organic world and that, you know, the, I, I mean, it's, it, it's played a little bit as a joke, um, that like after they communicate with the tree or with, you know, with this, with the force of this tree, the life force of this tree, um, that they're like, all right, the tree, the trees have a plan. Um, and you know, Hunter kind of plays it off as a joke, but the idea is, you know, again, drawing back to avatar that, you know, this, this, you know, species of, 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 uh, creatures, the Wookiees have this spiritual connection with the planet that they reside in. And it couldn't possibly be understood Mm -hmm. by anybody else that comes in. Um, and just, you know, wanders, wanders in off the street. Right. Um, Omega though tries and that's like a very, I just think that that's a very huge point to her to her character, not, not just being like, Oh, she's so inquisitive and is always like curious about like, no, she, she's wanting to learn. She wants to be, you know, she wants to be connected to that as well as I just think that's very interesting. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the battle ensues. You're right. The trees do have a plan and there's pew pews about Noah, lots of explosions, lots of blaster fire. Um, we don't have to talk about every single moment, but did you have any highlights for you? For me, it was the fact that Wrecker is atop one of the tanks uh, with Kunji, uh, and the captions say, like, Wrecker growls. Like, apparently, yeah. <laughs> he's, like, trying to also uh, speak, uh, I think it's Shriwook or Chiwook or Shriwook, I, I think is what it is. But uh, uh, the fact that Wrecker's just, like, like doing, you know, yeah, his yeah. best Chewbacca impression I thought was really funny. Uh, I would, I will say, I wanted to point that out cause I forgot about that earlier. I was sad that we didn't get more of like more of, uh, tech translating for everyone. Um, because I really liked that in their arc of the clone wars. Um, when, when tech is the one that is translating for everybody. Cause they're all kind of like, Oh, I, I can speak a little bit of Wookiee, you know, and which whatever, that's fine. It makes this episode a lot easier. Um, but in terms of battle stuff, uh, the, the Wookiees have these like creatures that they ride on that are like kind of cats, but kind of lizards. Yeah. Um, and they're so dope. They're awesome. Um, but they are also colored red, yellow, and blue. And I just thought that that was interesting because that's twice now in one episode that it's like, there's that one, that one, and that one, and they're all a different color and all just one color. Um, so yeah, it was like a very like Power Rangers kind of moment. For some <laughs> reason, was... when you said that, you're like, they're also colored red, green, and yellow. Uh, the X Files theme, like <laughs> the, you know, just played. I was like, oh, it's con- the well, droids I don't know are connected. The, like, yeah, I don't. That's the thing is, I don't know what the connection there is. I mean, it's a loose connection, but like that. I don't know. It's, it's, it's weird. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's just a cartoon. It wants to be colorful. Who knows? Who knows? (laughs) Uh, Speaking of which, uh, the same creatures that we saw earlier uh, in the, uh, uh, earlier in the episode, join in on the battle, killing commander Venomore, uh, the Trandoshan leader uh, in pretty grisly fashion. They web him up. It is absolutely web that dude up and just suck him up into oblivion. Yeah, uh, obviously was definitely eaten. So that sucks for that guy. Uh, But we do end the episode with Hunter seemingly finding a new purpose. Uh, He wants to make sure that Omega is able to live a normal childhood far away from more. Um, Lots of things to discuss with here. Then we can go ahead and wrap up into the episode. But I thought that this moment was one should have been last week's episode. Like, and then you flip them a little bit because last week you and I talked about this very fact of like, 
why does Hunter want to go on this mission with Omega? Like, why does he cave in going on this mission? You and I had talked about, there's a conversation that he has with Sham Sindula in season one, where they talk about kind of the opportunity that's been taken away from their children to have these experiences. So I think that would have made sense if Hunter was like, okay, you know, she wants to be a kid. She wants to go on the mission. We'll go on the mission, you know, but the fact that it's kind of reversed, I thought was a little bit strange. Um, but I think more than anything, I think that this really points to what I was talking about earlier. The fact that I think this conversation could be a real turning point for these characters and the the series as well. Honestly, the fact that Hunter is kind of admitting that this place is also not safe from war. Um, there's a, a line earlier in the episode where Hunter is saying like, we need to take him someplace where he's safe. And, uh, it's mentioned that Kashyyyk is like his home world. And they're like, ah, it's not the safest place. The empire's there. And he's like, yeah, I don't know if you've noticed, but there's nowhere in the galaxy that a Jedi can go and be safe. And I think the same is true for the bad batch. Like they are also hunted throughout the galaxy. So I think that Omega in, you know, in connection with that is not safe anywhere in the galaxy. The gal the empire is going to find them event eventually. This is also something that Andor was like a really big theme in that entire series is this idea of complacency, this idea of put your head down. It won't affect me now, or it's not affecting me now. So it won't to where it's like, no, you can go to the beachy sunny planet and you can get arrested for doing absolutely nothing. And the bad batch who are just continually just taking job after job, trying to just skate their way by and just get enough credits so they can continue to stay alive. It, it's going to catch up to them eventually. So I think that this really could pave the way for the batch too be cognizant about how they're spending their time. What missions are they taking? The fact that they've proven time and time again, that they can make a difference and they can help people in the galaxy. So I think it's really uh, kind of setting and, and planting seeds for what we, what we could eventually see in this series. I, I think you're totally right. And that's sort of the, so that was the line that was a little bit frustrating to me, but not frustrating in like a, oh, I don't like that the episode did that frustrating in like a, Hunter, wake up, guy. Man, like, yeah. what are you doing? Obviously, he can't hear me. He's just an animated character. You're just sitting there talking to Grogu show. on your couch <laughs> next to you. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what is he doing? Get what, a load of this guy. guy doing? Get, you see this guy? Grogu's like, well, you know? I don't know, man. I'm trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's the whole thing is that's that's the way it was frustrating where I'm like, okay, what's going to happen is Hunter is going to recognize this and is going to want to make a conscious change to try to achieve that and is he's it's going to blow up in their faces that's what's going to happen um not because like that's how writing shows works um but because that's how in this universe that's how the empire works you know you take take away that you know i'm not trying to predict the rest of the season but i can tell you right now like we know this story. We've seen this story so many times. We've seen it in Rebels. We've seen it in Jedi Fallen Order. We've seen it in uh, in Obi Wan Kenobi. We've seen it in Andor. The Empire is going to is going to catch up with you, and there's nothing that you can do about it. There's only so long that you can that you can run and put your head in the sand, like you said. So, like, it's frustrating in the sense that it's like, yeah, this. This episode is written well. It's frustrating because as an audience member, yeah. I'm like, I'm right there with it where I'm like, no, the, you like, you're going to be forced yeah. to make that decision. You're just waiting for it to cut later. to Echo. And he's like, what did you just say? Like, <laughs> right. That's the thing is Echo is the one that like, 
he's got like one line every like every episode that we talk about this. He's got one line where he's like, Hunter, we really should be doing this. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, whatever, man. I'm I'm doing I'm doing I'm doing me. And uh so you know, that sense of it, I don't think there's gonna be like a, you know, Echo's not gonna be like, I told you so. Like that's not how that's gonna go down. But like I do think that in an effort to search for that safety, I think we're gonna see things go poorly. But I am hoping that Hunter comes around to that idea in a little bit of an easier fashion than something, you know, something happening to where it's like a rock bottom wake up call Yeah, because that's like, that's going to be absolutely gut wrenching, you know, um, when, when that time does inevitably come, it's going to happen. I, I think um, it's, that's definitely a, a possibility that Omega, it could come for her, you know, and the fact that she's now, this lifestyle that they thought they could lead where they were just mercenaries, essentially these guns for hire eventually catches up to them. And now, you know, we know that there's plans for cloning and all this kind of stuff. That's how season one literally ends. So I think it it will catch up to them. Unfortunately, you know, it's your typical heroes are in their darkest place at the end of act two and act two is, is, you know, it's, it's coming up. So I, I think the batch is in for a pretty rude awakening, if you ask me. Yeah. And that's, that's what I am uh, most worried, but also excitedly anxious for, because I know that that's where this is going to turn. Um, and we're almost at the mid season point, uh, which is, which is crazy to think, uh, just a couple more episodes, uh, next week is actually next week is the, the double episode. Yeah. Um, so that'll be, that'll be it. This will be the inciting event, uh, where I do think you're right that if we had taken, you know, a one week break to where Hunter was like, we should get away from all this nonsense. And then they're like, let's go on a treasure hunt. And he's like, that sounds like a good way to get away from all this nonsense. Then, yeah, I think you're totally right. Um, in, in saying that that maybe gives a little bit of motivation to that episode. Um, but yeah, we're going to turn right around from the <laughs> the end of this episode where he's like, hopefully it's far away from the war. Yeah. Next week, it's like, oh, my God, the war is outside. Yeah. <laughs> well, next week's episode is called The Clone Conspiracy. So I think that's, oh, that can be tied to stuff. You also have an episode after that called Truth and Consequences, The Crossing and Retrieval. So it's like, <laughs> oh, boy, <laughs> I don't oh, think boy. it's sunshine. And I don't think we're getting another treasure hunting episode next week is what I'm saying. I think it's it's got to be a dark road ahead for the bad batch. Unfortunately. <laughs> oh man. If one of them doesn't make it out of this, I quit. Brutal. I quit. <laughs> be absolutely brutal, but I'm excited nonetheless to talk about it. I think that this uh, season is really shaping up to uh, go some really emotional, deep places. So I'm excited to be talking about that, but until we do know it, do you want to go ahead and wrap it up and take some? For sure. Thank you guys so much for tuning in with us. We hope you learned something today. If there's any topics or bits of news you think we should cover, you can head over to our Twitter and shoot us a message at ScumVillainPod. But for now, this has been Scum and Villainy with Noah DeGeorge. And Garrett McDowell. And may the force be with you. We'll see you next time. See you guys.